Are you having problems with setbacks and discouragements in your life, especially if you're a Christian? Well, here on Search for Truth Radio, Brian, our Bible teacher, is looking to find help from God's Word, the Bible. This new series is called Going the Distance, and the aim is to encourage us to persevere in Christian discipleship. Brian's experienced life and many of its problems, particularly as a Christian believer, for many years. But better still, he really knows the Bible, so he and his Bible are well qualified to help us. So, with the Bible, the Apostle Paul and Brian will see how we can best battle against discouragement. Here's Brian. Thanks, John. A famous sportsman has recently been quoted in the media as saying that he feels like giving up. Is there an antidote to losing heart in any walk of life, but particularly as we think of ourselves as Christians? I'm reminded of the words of James Stewart, taken from his book, Heralds of God. He wrote, Surely there are few figures so pitiable as a disillusioned minister of the gospel. High hopes cheered him on his way, but now the indifference of the world, the lack of visible results, the discovery of appalling pettiness, the feeling of personal futility, all these have seared his soul. No longer does the zeal of God's house devour him. No longer does he mount the pulpit steps in thrilled expectancy that Jesus Christ will come amongst his folks that day, travelling in the greatness of his strength, mighty to save. The minister has lost heart. This was a danger that the Apostle Paul recognised all too well. He writes about it in 2 Corinthians, where he describes the gospel preacher as a minister of the new covenant. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 15. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. Paul has there been recalling how the face of Moses, after his mountaintop encounters with God, shone with a glory that faded over time. He draws a parallel with the old covenant fading away, now to be replaced in Christ with the new dealings God can have with us through the cross. And Paul makes the point that the glory belonging to this will never fade away, but will only ever increase. But then he quickly moves on to balance that comment with remarks about the opposition that comes from God's adversary, Satan. Satan who blinds unbelievers' eyes to the glory of the gospel of Christ. That makes it hard for any Christian who's ministering on the front lines, for he or she can equally and easily get discouraged with a lack of visible results. How can such a person keep from losing heart? I want to suggest from Paul's words here that it's by remembering how he or she has received mercy. It's also by striving for transparency through plainly manifesting the truth and by always displaying the dying of Jesus in a self-denying lifestyle. Taking our base in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's try to unpack all that. 
Paul continually remembered that he was an object or recipient of God's undeserved mercy. The Bible text literally says, As we have been mercied, we do not lose heart. The mercy Paul had received in and from Christ was the thing that kept him from discouragement. We too need to keep on remembering what we were before God's mercy entered our experience. Like Paul, we need to try to consider God's mercy in Christ as the greatest joy of our life in the midst of whatever rejection and opposition we face. Notice again how Paul stressed the mercy of God on one of the many times when he gave his testimony. Here's one from 1 Timothy chapter 1. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. I found mercy, Paul said. That was key to all of his thinking. But there was more than that. As well as mercy, there's integrity. Paul always preached with transparent integrity, the plain word of God. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, which we said we're going to try to unpack, and from verse 2, But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness, or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul refused to walk in craftiness and scheming to gain a following, he refused to adulterate or handle deceitfully the plain word of God. He didn't resort to things available in the Corinthian culture that he might have used to enhance his message. He didn't borrow the driving musical style of Aphrodite music. He didn't promise prosperity in the robust Corinthian economy. He didn't enlist Greek drama or rhetorical forms to enhance his appeal. He plainly and directly preached gospel truth to men's consciences in the sight of God, no matter what response he received. Paul was committed to simply announcing and proclaiming the word of God. It may be discouraging to think that we preach to those who are blinded by their own sinful ignorance and by Satan's power, but if we accept that truth, we won't expect from other things what only God can do in the hearts of the people we address. And yet Paul continues further in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 7 now. He says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, 
struck down but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In addition to keeping in mind the mercy he'd been shown by God, and his own relentless pursuit of integrity, both of self and his message, on top of that, Paul also practised self-denial. The dying of Jesus, as he puts it, was now his worldview. In other words, he was so overwhelmed at the self-denial of God the Son for such a sinner as himself, the idea of him leaving heaven to die for him on the cross, that it shaped his thinking at all times, leaving no room for self-importance or being affected by others' jealousy or even his own self-pity. No, there was only room for the self-denying joy of seeing the grace of God spreading to more people. Any self-denial we can practice on earth is fueled not by what we see with our eyes now, but by what we believe we will see in the future. On earth, we may see sermons going unheeded, loving rebukes met with hatred, sincerity answered with deception, and loyalty with betrayal. Only a view of the future, as seen by faith, can cause the trials of the self-denying ministry to be called momentary light affliction. Anyone involved in Christian ministry, in any way, can at times become emotionally drained. At such times, there's a need to build fences around our thought life, in relation to, for example, such things as we view online. The kind of emotional hits we take includes regular demands in terms of teaching and leadership, being on display as a public figure, taking criticism for our ministry, and the relentless expectations of others. But the heart of the drain can be people. For example, we get hurt through the defections of those we'd high hopes for, when we do spiritual things, it's easy to confuse us with actually being spiritual. For example, studying the Bible in order to prepare a talk can easily be confused with reading and studying the Bible devotionally. Praying during public meetings can delude us into thinking we're leading a life of personal prayer. And those at the front, in the public eye, are often put on a spiritual pedestal all too easily the estimation others have about their spiritual life can become their own estimation of themselves. That's why it's good to be reminded by Paul's example that there's no reason to fail or be discouraged 
or even to lose heart, but only if we follow his example of acknowledging God's mercy to us, striving for integrity in all that we do, and all the while practising self-denial. Thanks for your talk, Brian. Now, you may find it helpful to have the transcript book of these talks. It's available to you if you aren't able to follow the usual route of getting a download from our church website. That's at um, churchesofgod.info forward slash media. From your PC, of course, you can then print your own. But if you need to request a hardback copy, just ask for Going the Distance and write to us by email or by post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now you might be interested to know that if you go to the website I mentioned earlier at churchesofgod.info forward slash media, you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by accessing the audio podcast mp3 versions. So why not have a go and see what you can find to enjoy. I hope you found Brian's talk today helpful and were encouraged by it. It was uh, great to enjoy the privilege of your company, so please join me at the same time next week when Brian will deal with how best to survive guilt feelings. I look forward to your company. So, till then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, producer David, uh, our singers and me, John. So, see you again soon and may God richly bless you.